This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom DiOria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom DiOria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk. It's the first Sunday of February. It's uh, February 1st, 2015. Uh, we're on at 5 p.m. in the New York listing area and 3 p.m. in Arizona. I'm sure many of you are just going to listen to us and then go right to the Super Bowl. Uh, today we're live from our New York offices, and we're going to be discussing Windows 10 with um, one of our favorite guests, Tony Bradley. I'm Tom DiOria. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated. And together with our weekly guests, our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of the technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with our increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with our industry-wide report, which will contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contact opportunities. One of our guests followed us in many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to techtalk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com, and we'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX. That's 277-5369. And if you're outside the 602 listening here, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can send us email questions uh, throughout the show. We monitor that at techtalk at imi-us.com. If we don't get you on today, we'll definitely send you a response and uh, try and get it on next week. We're almost also being simulcast on the web. So if you have to listen to us live and you can't get to your radio, you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, please go to our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is a Tech Talk button. Click on that. All the shows are downloaded. You can listen to them as many times as you want. Send them to your friends. It's free. So please take advantage of that, and please call in any time during the show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. First segment is our Week in Review. It's our increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world. It's compiled by Dave Brandon, Jose Batista, and Dan Dioria. Okay, we've got a lot of stuff to cover here. First, a good friend of ours, Dr. Joe Jacobs, sent me um, a little information here about a show, a 13-minute quickie show uh, that uh, is on Grace Murray Hopper. And it's uh, directed uh, and produced by Jillian Jacobs, who's a, uh, an actress, but she also uh, produces and directs. And if you don't know who Grace Hopper is, she was a good friend of mine. She was the first woman admiral in the U.S. Navy. And she's the one, uh, this is going to be for our friends out there uh, that are a little older. Uh, she invented COBOL, which was the first programming language. Um, she coined the word bug, which was because a real bug had gotten into her equipment. And 
And uh, she told the, uh, I'm quoting her, the boys that worked for her were, who were Navy uh, officers and uh, enlisted men, um, that it was better to do something first if you had a good idea and to ask permission later. So that's a good thing to live by. But you should go to the Creativity Channel's website or just Google the Queen of Code, and you'll learn all about Admiral Hopper. Um, she was really out there. She's a great role model for girls in uh, high school and middle school and for the rest of us. So I really encourage you to do it. She was a very great person, and uh, we all miss her. Okay, and one of our other friends, uh, Gabe Goldberg, uh, who's uh, been involved with APCUG down in Washington, uh, said that the next virtual technology conference they're having is scheduled for Saturday, February 21st at 1 p.m., so if you want more information about this, it's their Winter Virtual Technology Conference. Uh, and um, you, can go, you can see videos from earlier conferences at youtube.com backslash APCUG videos. And you can go to where, their website, which is apcug2.org backslash content backslash VTC14 and find out all about this conference. I think you're going to find it, especially if you're down in that area, something that would uh, be of great interest to you. Okay. The Daily News told us that uh, supercomputer Watson teams with Institute of Culinary Education to create recipes. Would you like a Vietnamese apple kebab with pork, chicken, strawberries, pineapple, and mushrooms? Sounds good, especially before the Super Bowl. Uh, the world's smartest supercomputer thinks you do. IBM's giga-powerful Watson, remember that's the uh, machine that played on Jeopardy, uh, came up with a basic formula for the far-out, far-eastern skewer as part of a collaboration with a Manhattan cooking school, the goal being to help chefs come up with never-before-considered flavor combinations. In addition to the kebabs, the chefs asked Watson for a duck dish and received a shopping list featuring the fatty protein plus olives, cherries, ginger, fennel, apple, celery, and mushrooms. The supercomputer is best known, as I mentioned, for uh, beating the human challenges on Jeopardy in 2011. So IBM decided to give its cognitive computing skills um, helping other human creativity. So uh, that was something interesting. Daily News tells us also that Andrew Cuomo talks creation of high-tech state-run weather systems following the winter storm. So in case you don't know, we were supposed to have 400 inches of snow. I'm exaggerating. Uh, last week, they closed everything on Tuesday in New York, and uh, the city and uh, those of us up here in Westchester got maybe four or five inches, and uh, Long Island did get probably two feet, but uh, the predictions were a little uh, off. So it's great to be a weatherman. Unlike a baseball player where you really need to be good a third of the time, weathermen don't have to be good any of the time. So the governor has been pushing the creation of a high-tech state-run weather detection system that will give more accurate real-time warnings of major storms. Cuomo referenced the underdevelopment 
system after this week's uh, last week's snowstorm. Uh, the state is using $24 million in federal Hurricane Sandy relief funds. Uh, hopefully, they're not taking that away from the people that really need it to install 125 advanced weather detection stations around the state. Six other states have similar setups. The system is designed to provide a broader picture of current weather conditions by collecting real-time localized data on wind, rain, snow, icing, and flood risks every 1 to 15 minutes. It's also designed to improve prediction models by monitoring things like soil moisture and temperature, solar radiation, and snowpack. Okay. And finally, Marriott wants you to know that it's completely done trying to block guests' personal Wi-Fi connections. It has given up convincing the FCC to give it permission to do so. The company already announced that it won't be keeping people from using their own Wi-Fis and hotspots in hotel rooms, but its official statement that time it says it will look uh, continue to look to the FCC to uh, clarify appropriate security measures network operations. Well, that's nice. I mean, I was just out of Marriott, and they wanted something like $15 a day to use their system when I could use mine for free, so that's pretty interesting. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to get to our guests, and we're going to talk to you about uh, Windows 10 and more with our guest, Tony Bradley. Um, one other thing I wanted to tell you, if you have some time, go to uh, today's February 1st, New York Times, there's a very interesting article about Google and some of the things that it's helping people to do and, and how. So you can just Google New York Times and uh, check that out. I'm going to take a break. As I said, we're going to get to our guest, Tom Giorgio, on IMI Tech Talk on KFX. Sunday, February 1st, 2015, and I appreciate those of you that are out there listening to us uh, instead of racing to your uh, Super Bowl parties. And our guest today is Tony Bradley, and he's uh, one of our favorite and informative uh, guests. He is editor-in-chief of techspective.net and is respected authority on technology. Tony has authored or co-authored a number of books, including Unified Communications for Dummies, Essential Computer Security, and PCI Compliance. Tony has been a certified information system security professional, that's a CISSP for those of you who like acronyms, for more than 10 years. And he's also been recognized by Microsoft as a most valuable professional MVP in Windows and Windows security for nine consecutive years. Tony, thanks for taking the time to be with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I enjoy being on the show. Okay, so uh, before we start getting into this for uh, our friends that uh, are chomping at the bit to find out about Windows 10, I gather there was a uh, an event that uh, you went to that uh, you may want to tell us about? Well, I, Microsoft invited uh, media to, uh, to, to Redmond uh, to unveil the latest build of Windows 10. Um, and uh, you, you could also uh, watch the event uh, live streaming uh, online, but uh, um, 
being there, uh, you, you had a couple advantages in that you could play with some of the toys that we're going to talk about. Um, because even though we went there uh, with the expectation um, that the event was about Windows 10, um, Microsoft had a few tricks up their sleeve and uh, introduced a couple other things that kind of stole, stole the thunder from Windows 10. Really? That's interesting. So tell us a little bit about Windows 10, why Windows 10. Um, I gather they'd let you play with it. When uh, will the rest of the people uh, get to try it out? Is it going to cost a lot? And will it run on everything? Well, that's the, the you know, the, the game plan that uh, Nadella has been pitching since they first started talking about Windows 10 is this idea of a um, universal experience that it doesn't matter if you're on a Windows phone smartphone or a Surface tablet or a full-size desktop, that all of them will run Windows 10 and that from a developer standpoint, all of them will have uh, the same basic framework for the executables. So if you write a program that works on a Windows 10 desktop, it can also work on a Windows 10 smartphone um, with probably some minor modifications. But, you know, the, the, the groundwork is there. Um, this was the second major build of Windows 10 that's been released uh, for, the, for the beta program, uh, the preview program. Um, it was billed as the consumer uh, version, the consumer preview. Um, and, you know, they, they, they rolled out a lot of the uh, different features that, that weren't there uh, in the initial build, um, like the uh, Cortana voice assistant and, uh, and, and some, other, some other elements. Um, as far as the win and how much, uh, it's vague still on, on the win. I mean, it, it's just this year. Is what is when Windows 10 will be officially launched. Um, so I would expect it somewhere in the August to October timeframe. Um, October seems to be a popular month for launching stuff. That, that is when Windows 8 officially launched back in 2012. Um, and as far as cost, we don't yet know what it will cost if and when you have to buy it. But what Microsoft did announce is that it's going to be made available as a free upgrade for everyone running Windows 7 and later, uh, so for, for one year. So there's a period of one year that you can download and install Windows 10 for free. If you download and install Windows 10 for free, you don't magically then have to pay for it at the end of that year. Um, you, know, you have it for free for the lifetime of that operating system. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting approach. Now, did, did they announce this primarily for consumers, or is there a business aspect to it? Well, there is, a, there is also a Windows 10 uh, Enterprise version that is available uh, to, to play with. Um, I, I have not personally downloaded that one to play with it yet. Um, but... There is a business version and a consumer version, as, you know, just as there seems to always be with Windows. Um, but this one is, I'd say it feels 85 to 90% complete. I mean, it, I'm, I'm running it. 
as my primary OS right now. Um, you know, it, it, it mostly works. There are some, there are some things there that, there are some things that don't quite work as, as I would expect them to. And there are some things that you can tell are supposed to be there that aren't yet enabled. So these are, these are betas and they're looking for you, people uh, with your background and association with them to help them out before they do a, a full release? Correct. And, and not even just people with my background. They're looking for everybody, really. I mean, a- anybody who's willing to kind of roll the dice and, and run a uh, beta version of a operating system um, can participate and provide feedback and help to, you know, shape what will eventually be the next version of the operating system. Have developers got this before before you went to this event, or have they had it for a while? Well, I'm not sure about, you know, where they're at with the this, this specific versions. Um, there are different levels of access when it comes to the versions. Um, like I said, this was the second major build that was released to the general public. Um, internally, Microsoft is updating their builds all the time, and developers um, developers probably have access to more frequent build updates than the general public does. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the developers definitely have access, and uh, coming up in April will be Microsoft's build conference, which focuses on developers. Um, and at that point in time, uh, I expect there to be another major build release of the Windows 10 beta that will focus more on the developers because that will be the audience. Okay. Now, we heard that um, the start menu is back, so I guess the first question is, why did it go away, and uh, is it significantly different in Windows 10? Well, that gets, that gets sticky. This is a, it's a very, people are passionate uh, on both sides of this uh, start button, start menu uh, debate. Um, but when Windows came out, uh, when Windows 8 came out, uh, Microsoft did away with the start button in the, in the lower left corner and replaced that functionality with a Windows logo button that basically just toggled back and forth between that tiled, uh, the, the modern UI, uh, Windows 8 start screen and the traditional desktop that you'd expect to see in like a Windows 7. So that's all that button basically did was toggle back and forth. A lot of people uh, complained and said, we like the start button, we want our start menu back. When Microsoft did Windows 8.1, they brought back a lot of that functionality. You know, you could right-click on that Windows logo and you could get to the control panel, you could get to computer settings and, and things like that. That still wasn't good enough. So when they did Windows 10, they brought back more of what you'd expect from the old-school Windows 7 and previous start menu where it has a list of your most used apps. You can pin your apps to it, uh, you know, so that you can have access on that on that menu to to your apps. But what they've done is a sort of Frankenstein mashup hybrid of that old school start menu and the new tiled start screen. So now you've got the start menu on the left that has your most used apps, and you can scroll down and get to all your other apps. Um, but you can also still have all your little tiles on the right side of that menu um, 
and and so now you got kind of a little bit of both. It's kind of a start menu and a start screen rolled into one. Okay, so we've got about a minute left in this segment. Why'd you call it Frankenstein? Just because of the way they did it, or is that's it that's my yeah, that's that's totally my my word. Um, I I, oh, no, I understand. I, is it messy? Is that why? I don't like it. Um, I, I, I personally, I preferred the start screen uh, the way it was in the original Windows 8. Um, I think it takes a little bit of getting used to when you're used to the start menu, but the tiles, you can resize them, you can drag them where you want, you can group them how you want, and you know I think it's a much more efficient way of navigating the apps once you set it up. So that, that's my so it's opinion. Not, it's not going to be an either or, it's going to be you got it. No, it isn't either or. I mean, you can you can choose, basically. Okay, well, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're talking to Tony Bradley about Windows 10 and a little bit more. It's Super Bowl Sunday, the 1st of February, 2015. Uh, please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. It's a half-hour break, so you're going to get the national... Welcome back to IOI Tech Talk. I'm KFNX AM 1100. February 1st, Super Bowl Sunday. And I'm Tom Diori. I'm with our guest, Tony Bradley, who's the editor-in-chief of TechSpective.net. And we'll ask him a little bit more about that uh, at the beginning of the last segment. Um, before the break, we were talking about the start menu. And uh, now I'd like to switch gears a little bit to something called the Windows insider program is that basically the event you attended or is this something different it's not the event that is the um that's basically the beta program so when i said that like it, it's not just for tech professionals or whatever to, to test out windows 10 that anybody can test out windows 10 um that's what i was talking about so anybody can go to insider.windows.com sign up to be a part of the windows insider program and that's how you get access to the download of the Windows 10 beta. Um, and uh, one of the things they've done that I think is really neat with Windows 10 that they didn't do in previous uh, consumer betas is it prompts you with questions um, to get feedback. So, like, when you do something like view a notification, it'll, it'll ask you, hey, how, how easy was it to view that notification? Or if you set a reminder, well, how, how hard was it or how easy was it to set that reminder? So they're actually probing for feedback from people to so that they, they get uh, you know so they know how, how it's working for you. Oh, so that's pretty interesting. That's uh, that's a good way to to uh, get the conversation started, I guess, as opposed to just leaving it hanging out there. Um, one of the other things we heard about, which uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> There's a lot to compete about, but uh, Windows 10 is going to be able to compete with Siri from from the iPhone world. Uh, most things, it depends. This is, again, something that I'm sure people are very opinionated about as to whether or not Siri is good or needs to be competed with. But um, what's that all about? Well, um, they are. Microsoft had already introduced their voice assistant, uh, Cortana, which they borrowed from Halo, the, the Halo video game. Um, they've already introduced that on Windows Phone uh, a while back. Now they're bringing it into the desktop, into Windows 10. Um, 
and so, you know, similar to Siri, you can, you know, verbally ask questions or, um, uh, you know, ask it to do different things. And so, and, and there's a, there's a toggle in Windows 10 that you can either, you can set it so that it will listen to you. And if you say, Hey Siri, then, I mean, not Hey Siri, Microsoft's going to shoot me now. If you say Hey Cortana, <laughs> um, it'll perk up. That, that, that's the code word to make it listen. And, uh, so you can say, Hey Cortana, Remind me at 10 a.m. to clock or 10 a.m. tomorrow to send an email to Tom Dioria, and it'll set that reminder for you. Um, we can debate how useful it is to be able to talk to your computer, and I think in a in a work environment in particular, that's a little tricky. You got a lot of ambient noise. If if you have a bunch of cubicles and everyone's talking to the computer at the same time, uh, you know that can be difficult. I can say, speaking for myself personally, sitting here in my office where I'm alone, I think it's a great feature, and 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 I like the ability of, for instance, if I'm in the middle of writing something, if I can just say, "Hey Cortana, play that," you know, play music, and I don't have to like use the mouse or the touchpad or the touchscreen or anything else to try to navigate to the music and find it, turn it on or whatever. I can just say, "Hey, play music," or I can say. Hey, what's the weather like today? And I don't have to like manually navigate to find to find that app and, and check it myself. So um, I, I think it I think it is useful, and I think it will become more useful as it becomes more refined and as we get used to interacting with the PC that way. Yeah, it's always interesting. I mean, uh, you know, Siri at times doesn't quite get the logic of a question you're asking, and you get an answer that's not even related. Did you do you have any experience asking it questions as opposed to saying play music or call Tom Diori at ten o'clock? Yes. Um I, I feel like yeah, I feel like Cortana is pretty well on par with Siri and Google now. I mean they're they all are they're all pretty good at listening and understanding what you're saying. Um and they're all also a little bit Quirky. I mean, you know, I get into fights with Fury all the time. <laughs> I'm like, that's not what I said. <laughs> yes, I I use some uh, interesting uh, vocabulary when I get a little aggravated. Um, an off-the-wall question. I know that Microsoft um, is the technology that's in Ford vehicles. Is the voice recognition that's in the the automobiles the same or will it be the same as Cortina or is that completely unrelated? Um, well, first of all, Ford dropped Microsoft. Um, Ford switched. Uh, they're going to be using BlackBerry's QNX OS okay. in their for their uh, uh, car systems. Um, but when it comes to like uh, the the Apple version of that with CarPlay, um, it is it is still Siri, and it is it's the same basic technology. I mean, it does different things because it's designed to interact with the vehicle, um, but but the underlying technology is the same. So uh, you know, I, I I would imagine you know Microsoft hasn't hasn't given up on uh, getting its technology into vehicles, and and I would imagine that you know Cortana would be a part of that as well. Okay. HoloLens. Can you tell us about that? Well, that was one of the things that stole the thunder uh, of the Windows 10 event. Um, and it was interesting because it was the same week that 
Google seemed to sort of pull the plug on Google Glass. I mean, they didn't technically. They, they stopped selling it, and they kind of went back to the drawing board and reassigned it to a different team to, to make it better. Um, but we don't know what's going on with Google Glass. And then, like, three days later, Microsoft introduced HoloLens. Now, HoloLens is actually more like the Oculus Rift uh, virtual reality goggles than Google Glass because it's not it's not just a pair of glasses you wear and, and interact with. Um, they're full goggles that you put on your face, but they're really awesome um, <laughs> because it puts basically 3D holograms in your field of view over the real life stuff. So there, you know, it, it it superimposes these holograms onto the real world. Um, but you can interact with them. So you can have like a 3D, like a 3D image of a globe, um, holographically appear on your desktop, like on your physical desk. And you can actually, you know, touch it and interact with it and do things. Like, for example, why is that useful to me? Well, there's a cool video. I mean, if you Google um, Microsoft HoloLens and you go to their site, they have a video that shows uh, a number of the ways that people, you know, could work with it. Um, you know, one of the things is just, you know, they, there's a guy standing in a living room with, like, a, a, a holographic uh, screen on the wall watching, you know, watching, like, a, a soccer game. And then off to the right, there's some icons that he can do, and he can, you know, push something to, uh, start playing music, or he can go over here and check the weather, and and, and you can just do that like in midair, um, in front of you. Um, but they also show some productivity uses of being able to pull up like a 3D hologram of, uh, for example, a motorcycle in in the video that they're working on, and to be able to actually tweak that and interact with it, and and say, okay, well, you know, what, let's make this tire bigger, or let's move the seat back. Um, and be able to work with that as if you had a physical model in front of you. Oh, so that is pretty cool. Um, is it something that I can create myself? You know, the, or is it? Do I have to get applications? That remains to be seen. Um, basically, they said. Pardon? So do you have a minute to answer that question? Um, it. it, it Basically, they showed this off. They let the media play with it. Um, but all they said really was that it, the technology is there and it will be available sometime during the Windows 10 lifetime. I mean, that could be later this year. It could be three years from now. Um, and so there's no real information in terms of when it will be available, what it will cost, and how accessible it will be, You know, whether it will be something that consumers would just use in their homes or if it's really going to just be for businesses or whatever so there's a lot of questions still for it but just in terms of its potential though it it was really awesome we're going to take a break we're talking to tony bradley this is tom
that's something that gets in your way? Um, is it only for the for the hologram type of uh, viewing, or can you turn a switch and you just look through it so you don't have to keep taking it on and off? That's hard. And you you probably could turn a switch and turn it off and just view the world normally, but these are like black goggles that wrap around your head. I mean, they're like ski goggles. They're not the kind of thing you would just wear walking down the street. Um, so it's, it's a different use case uh, than, like I said, like than like Google Glass. Okay. Um, yeah, because we, uh, when we were doing some research, we looked at them, and they seemed a little out-of-space type things. Um, right. Tell us a little bit about techspective.net. Um, well, techspective.net um, is a site that I created. Uh, uh, it's just it's a technology site. I mean, I write for a number of, of uh, media outlets. I write for PC World. I write for Forbes. Um, and Techspective is a, an, an outlet where I'm posting my stuff from those other outlets, but also writing original content. And so I'm, I'm giving sort of a one-stop shopping uh, for the audience, uh, so to speak. And, uh, and we're, we're doing some neat stuff. I just gave away two, uh, Dell laptops earlier today. And, um, uh, what we're doing is that as, as I do product reviews, um, with the vendor's permission, I'm giving those products away. Uh, so, you know, to, to the people who, um, visit the site and comment about the reviews. And so, um, every week I should be giving away something new and, uh, people love free stuff. Well, that's a good incentive for people to, uh, what do they do? Just go to techspective.net and sign up? Uh, yes. Uh, go to techspective.net. If you scroll down to the bottom, you can sign up for the, the daily or weekly email newsletters. And, um, and then, you know, that's where I will share the details of how to win the stuff. Uh, do me a favor. Can you let me know when you're going to do the technology in a Maserati or something? And then I'll. <laughs> Yeah, uh, to see see what I can get for for reviews. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Switching gears again, and I don't know if this is one of the things that stole the show, but uh, we hear that uh, Windows 10 is going to work uh, uh, better than the current operating uh, systems with Xbox. Yeah, I mean, yeah, ever since Windows 8, I think Microsoft has been moving that way and kind of integrating the experience, and you've got the um, you know, Xbox being being able to use it as a second, like a Surface tablet as a second screen, and, and things like that. Now they've they've taken it another step with the latest Windows 10 and Xbox One. You can actually stream your games from the Xbox One uh, to a Windows PC. You can do uh, cross-device um, multiplayer games, so you could have one person playing on an Xbox One and one person playing on a PC and be able to play against each other. Um, and they've incorporated some aspects to let you uh, basically use your Windows 10 PC as sort of a DVR to uh, record part of your games and stuff. That's not something I've ever been interested in, but I know that my boys are, and I know that there are whole websites dedicated to, you know, nothing but sharing clips of people playing video games. So it's a thing, and now you can just do it in Windows 10. Okay. Um, Microsoft Surface Hub, uh, doing research for the show, looks like something I want to get. Um, it's an 84-inch t- 
touchscreen? Yeah, um, that was the other thing that stole the show. And then, and depending on who you ask, uh, it, it's up in the air as to whether the Surface Hub or um, or the Hololens is the is the real winner there. Um, but the Surface Hub is is, is an eighty four inch touchscreen monitor slash PC all in one, and you you know you'd, you'd have it up on your wall. Um, it is not going to be something aimed at consumers. Uh, they, they haven't given pricing info, but I'm sure it will be uh, somewhat exorbitantly expensive. I mean, the, the, the business case or the, the use case that they pitched was more like a business conference room. Um, I could also see it being used in education, um, you know, uh, but like your typical public school is not going to be able to afford to have one of these things, but maybe in a college environment. Um, and, and there will be apps that are specifically created uh, to make use of all that space. Um, but it's, it's, it's you know, basically an evolution of uh, the you know, perfect pixel, which is a thing that they've had. And they, they, a while back, they had the uh, Surface uh, tabletop PC. And, uh, and you know, these are the technologies like you see them using on CNN all the time where they just kind of walk over the wall and start tapping stuff. Um, you know, so it's, it's kind of the next iteration of that kind of technology, but it, it looks awesome. Now, can you, is it a television also, a receiver, or is it just, uh, you know, a big computer screen? Well, it, it is just a screen, but it, you know, I think that that's a gray area now. I mean, I have a, you know, 60 inch television in my living room that I'm going to go watch the Super Bowl on when we're done here. And, you know, I'm just using HDMI inputs from my, you know, from my direct TV box to the, to the, to the TV. So all it really is is a big monitor that takes HDMI inputs. Well, that'll be interesting to see where that goes. And you're right. It's probably going to have a high price point, which will put it out of the reach for most schools. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the, the new browser that might be coming out with uh, Windows 10? Does yeah. Uh, okay. So the, right? It went very quickly from from rumor to confirmed that they were working on this new new browser, um, codenamed Spartan, um, which is a uh, sort of an homage to the fact that it's a stripped down or more more austere uh, browsing experience. And so they're kind of trying they're trying to strip away all the extra fluff that seems to exist in Internet Explorer or even in you know Google Chrome and Firefox and stuff and just give you a faster, cleaner, raw web experience. Now, from what I've seen so far, they're not intending this to replace uh, Internet Explorer. And when Windows and when when they put Spartan in Windows 10, which is not actually in this build right now, they talked about it, but it's not in the current build. Um, when they put it in the build, it's supposed to be alongside Internet Explorer. Like you could still use Internet Explorer if you want. Or you could use Spartan, um, and like I said, it's a it's a cleaner, faster browser experience. But it's also designed for being able to use uh, like a stylus or a finger on a touchscreen and be able to annotate right on the web uh, page, and then be able to like share that annotated web page with others through Windows 10. And they've confirmed as well um, someone from the Windows team. Sent a tweet out saying that 
they also intend to support extensions, which Internet Explorer, Internet Explorer has add-ons, but, you know, Google Chrome, uh, you know, is very popular because of the extensions because you can find an extension to make Google Chrome do almost anything you want. And, um, so there's a lot of power there that if they introduce, if, if Microsoft creates a browser that works with extensions, then you, you know, you can do pretty much anything. So it's something that you feel, um, is the direction that they needed to go in? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, personally, I, I don't. I don't really uh, understand. I mean, I, I, I think that Internet Explorer is is a little bit bloated, and um, you know, it, it. But you know, I don't know. A browser is a browser is a browser, as far as I'm concerned. I, I kind of use all of them at various points, and I find websites that won't work with Chrome, and I find websites that won't work with Internet Explorer, and that's why I have all of them, and I keep switching back and forth to whichever one works at the time. Okay, so what do you think about all of this? Is is this going to help Microsoft in the long run? Well, it is. I mean, I think it's, it's still a bold vision, uh, this idea of uniting everything together and, you know, whether it's the phone or the desktop or the tablet or whatever, that's a, that's a bold vision. Um, but I think it's a, it's a good direction to go. I think developers will appreciate being able to write code once and have it work across all those platforms. And I think Microsoft's strategy of giving it away for free for the first year will help a lot because, you know, one of the main complaints you have against upgrading to a new operating system is cost. And in order for this to gain traction and in order for the developers to get on board and in order for it to be become the sort of the standard, they need everyone to jump on board. And if they give it away, then they'll help drive that. And, uh, you know, and we'll see, we'll see where we're at, you know, a year from now. Tony, I really appreciate you taking the time out on Super Bowl Sunday to be with us. It's always a really good and interesting show when you're on, so thank you. All right, well, thank you. Go Seahawks. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> okay, next week we're going to be live from our New York offices with our weekend review. Susan Kosak is going to be with us discussing controlling your email. I want to thank Terry Ruggiero, IMI's president, Dave Brandon, Dan Diori, and Jose Batista for our weekend review. Taylor Redden's our producer, Matt Campagni's our executive producer, and without the help of the KFNX AM1100 production department, you wouldn't hear a word we said. So thank you to them. Thanks again for listening. Please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 5 p.m. in New York on KFNX AM1100. Remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us questions by sending an email to Tech Talk. That's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K at I-M-I us.com. Have a great week. Thanks for listening and enjoy the Super Bowl.